Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Prudential. Prudential believes life is filled with moments that test our courage. Their podcast, Everyday Bravery, celebrates those moments with stories to help you face your own challenges. Subscribe to Everyday Bravery now, wherever podcasts are available. This podcast was recorded live in the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center, the first and only experience of its kind on the East Coast, located at 165 Mulberry Street, Newark, New Jersey. For tickets to visit the museum, please visit www.grammymuseumexp.org. This is Leaders Create Leaders, and I'm your host, Gerard Adams. This is a podcast showcasing today's change makers who dedicate themselves to creating the best tomorrow possible with vision, with hustle, and showing up world class. They offer advice, they offer lessons, but most importantly, they offer you their mentorship because leaders create leaders, and leaders are the ones that are impacting our world. It goes without saying that a strong entrepreneur is motivated. However, there are often struggles with standing out in the age of social media. Having motivation or building motivation is all about figuring out how to use your story to impact the world. Yaya is someone who's a near and dear friend of mine. He's somebody that I've been working with. I was actually a client of his because for me, I really wanted to learn the art of mastering my story as a speaker. And I never knew how to do that on stage. I didn't know how to go about speaking from the heart, but also being prepared and learning how to actually make an impact with the audience. So Yaya is someone who has been speaking all over the world for over 500 stages. He spoke with TEDx, Georgia Institute of Technology, Harvard University and works with influencers and thought leaders and public speakers from around the world, teaching them how to monetize their expertise and become world-class speakers. So I really want to introduce, without further ado, Yaya Bakar, everybody. Please give a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys feeling good? I'll do it. You ready to wake up or what? I'll do it. Come on. I can't hear you. Let's go. Oh, come on. Louder. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. All right. All right, you guys are asleep on me now. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you so much for taking time. We've built such an unbelievable bond yeah. um, since we first met. And you were actually part of the season finale of Leaders Create Leaders on mm-hmm. the show. I'm now shooting season four, and I have interviewed some unbelievable, remarkable, world-class leaders. But your episode seemed to have the most impact out of like all the episodes, mm-hmm. believe it or not. And... I think it had a lot to do with how you persevered throughout your entire life, mm. your, your upbringing, and then how you've been able to kind of overcome some early on challenges in order for you to figure out what your purpose was and what your story was and how you wanted to show up in the world and, and serve. So maybe you can start off for those who haven't seen that episode. You know, how did it all begin for Yaya Bakar? What was your background? How did you grow up? What was it like? I was born in Mecca, Saudi Arabia, which is like the the holy land for like Muslims all over the world. And my father was Syrian. My biological mother, she's from Thailand. Uh, she's 10 years his senior. And they got married in the largest Islamic center in Bangkok, Thailand. And then they flew out to Saudi Arabia and that's where I was born. And, you know, just like certain relationships happen. Sometimes there's some friction and they split up. Um, and then my dad got married with his third wife, who is actually my stepmother. 
and she was a U.S. citizen. And so she brought me out to America. And I actually grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. And when I grew up there, it was kind of like I got exposed to a completely different new environment, you know, the new family. And I was like, how, okay, she's now my mom. How do I, how do I fit in now? So the journey for self-discovery started beginning ever since like I was in middle school. Like, who am I? Where do I really belong? So was, those are questions that a 10-year-old kid shouldn't be asking himself. And the idea behind my path was like, maybe if I find my mom, everything will make sense for me. So after I graduated high school, I made it like a mission of mine to go find my mom. And um, for eight years straight, I couldn't find her, but I kept it to myself. You know, I, I shared it with a few people here and there, but never told my best friends, never told my girlfriend at the time. And then after eight years, I kind of threw in the towel and that's when everything started changing for me. So I want you to put yourself in my shoes for just a moment. Imagine something that you really want for eight years, right? You work hard for it. It could be anything. It could be a person. It could be a scholarship. It could be, you know, a career and you do everything you can. And then eventually you just want to give up because no matter how hard you try, nothing is working. So you just want to stop. That's what I felt. So literally in December of 2000, December of 2012, I had a conversation with myself and I was like, you know what? It's not meant to be. And that's when I threw in the towel. And then on January of 2013, literally a month later, I hung out with my best friends they are like my soul brothers. And we just had a conversation. They were like, where do you see yourself in five years from now? And I just started sharing like, you know, I could see myself having my own TV show. I'm a best-selling author. I have a huge social media platform changing people's lives. And then my buddy Osama interrupted me. And I, I encourage every single one of you to ask yourself this question. If you're always focused on your career, he said, stop thinking about what you want to do professionally. Ask yourself, what do you want personally in the next five years? And that was the moment where I kind of like broke down in tears. And these are my boys, right? And I just said, I just want to find my mom. This is the first time they ever heard me say that out loud. And they committed in that moment. The energy was super like, it was weird. It was like, almost like the universe was conspiring in our favor. And literally, as I said that, I, I'm not making this up. I promise you, there was a candle and it went, it blew out right when I said that. And so we saw that as a sign. We're like, okay, it's time to go find my mom. And that's when I started looking for my mom. And I wrote this letter. That letter ended up going viral. It ended up reaching the hands of a TV host in Thailand. And from that, that letter, I got a call in the middle of the night, literally three weeks later after I sat and had that conversation with my best friends, three weeks after and eight years, after eight years, like this is some, when you were like 25 years old. This is when I, yeah, I was just about to turn 25 uh, in, in that April. This was like January. So that year um, in 2013. And I get a call in the middle of the night on the call ID was a foreign number. Underneath it was the word Thailand. And I was like, hello. Hi, is this Yaya? Yes. Who's this? Yaya, it's me. I'm your mom. And that's when the game changed for me. Through Yaya's eight-year journey to find his mother, he persevered through trials and tribulations and turned his challenge into triumph. This journey led to his success. The challenges that I was uniquely gifted 
has given me the greatest opportunity to value fatherhood and being a husband and being a leader internally for the people that I deeply care about. Like one of my missions is to not just be the dad that I never had because I had history there, but I want to build a home that I never had, you know, and I want to make sure that my daughter and, you know, my future kids and the people who are around me, even like, I want to be an example of how one person can defy it all to have it all. Whatever circumstances, whatever challenges you're going through, I feel like you guys have heard probably the saying pressure creates diamonds. And I think sometimes when we're, when we're living too deeply into our stories, we almost lose sight of how valuable the deep stress and the pressure and the confusion and the chaos is really helping our character grow into the diamonds that we all are. And so that, like, I felt like I became a diamond and I'm still continuing to embrace that pressure. So it, it shaped me to, to feel like I'm a, I'm a grounded human being. I'm a grounded man. I'm a grounded leader. I'm a grounded husband. So here's the thing. If you don't know who you are, this is the beauty of life. You get to define who you are. I don't necessarily need the validation or the acceptance or the approval from my father, from my mother, from people outside of me to say, this is who you should be, which is what I was looking for for so long. Now I'm like, okay, this is who I am. Take me or leave me. At least you get to know me. Yeah. You know, and, that, and I, so it gave me that sense of confidence and courage to be in myself and be comfortable in my own skin, regardless of the opinions of others. So to give you some context. When I graduated high school, I wanted to become a personal trainer. That's what I really wanted to do. It, uh, training was my therapy. I used to be a fighter. I, ended, I realized I don't like beating people up. I like to hug people. So I needed, I needed some form of discipline and the gym was my therapy, kind of like the rock. So I go up to my father and my stepmother and I say, hey, I, I think I know what I want to do now that I graduated high school. I said, I want to become a personal trainer. And they said, I, I'm the first person in my family to ever get an education in America. And they're Middle Eastern parents. So you can just imagine the pressure was real. They're like, oh, no, you're either going to become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a doctor, a doctor or a doctor. Like those were my <laughs> options. Right. So I was like, OK, fine, I'll become a doctor. So I got a full scholarship to ASU. I measured in uh, biology, minor in psychology. First semester in ASU, I realized like, yo, like this is not for me. So I'm like, I was, you know. I call myself a hippie, right? Uh, so I was like, I was into like spiritual books, personal development, all that kind of stuff. I'm talking to my girlfriend, who's not my wife. We're doing like a five-year long distance relationship. She's in Jersey. I was in Arizona. And she was like, what are you passionate about? And I was like, I look at my bookshelf and I have books on like, you know, personal development, health and fitness, relationship dynamics and spirituality. Right. And I just said, ah, I just want to learn about spirituality and personal development. So I literally went on Google and I typed in personal development and spiritual school. And I found uh, a, a weird school called Maharishi University of Management in Fairfield, Iowa. And the, the curriculum in the school was they would teach you how to meditate twice a day instead of giving you a report card. I was like, bet. Like, that's dope. I want that. So I, I went to the school. I visited school, fell in love with it. Right. I ended up leaving my full scholarship to ASU to go to this school, uh, which did, the scholarship didn't transfer. Um, and for four years later, I majored in physiology and health, still think I was going to become a doctor. And that's when I realized like one semester left until I was supposed to graduate. This is not my path. This is my father's path and my stepmother's path for me. And so I had no plan B. And that's when my friend heard about my situation. He was like, yo, you should become a motivational speaker and life coach. So I, the reason why I shared that with you is because I never spoke in public before. 
I wasn't, I didn't see myself speaking on stages. My friend, legit, this was his advice. Dude, you got a big ass mouth, like might as well make money from it and change people's lives. That's what he said, legit. And so I was like, okay, fine. So I did that and then I learned everything that I've learned from my mentors. I had no business advice. I was not a serial entrepreneur. I wasn't a businessman or anything like that. Um, the only thing that I did ever did was like, I sold Cutco at one point in my career, but that was, that was about it. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I think everybody did. Right. Right. So I was like, okay, how am I going to, should I join Toastmasters or whatever? So I, the best thing I did was I invested in a mentor legit. Yep. Did I, did I tell you guys about how much I invested in that mentor? No. Oh, oh my God. Hear this. So I Google motivational speaking, life coaching programs, and I find two programs that come down. One is called, um, you speaker university by a guy named Josh ship. The other is by a guy named Tony Robbins. Raise your hand. If you know who Tony Robbins is okay. Almost everybody knows he's like the father of, of life coaching. So I, I enter that and I look at both programs. They seem legit, but it's 9,000 bucks. <laughs> right. So I was like, I don't know how to get that money. I have $50,000 of student debt. I have no college degree. I have no job. I'm staying at my friend's mattress, looking, staring up the ceiling. And I have 47 bucks in my checking account. How am I going to do this? And then, and then it hit me, yo, this is technically rock bottom for me. I got nowhere to go, but up. Wow. So I was like Googling this Tony Robbins dude. And I see a video. He says the difference between resources and being resourceful. And he said, it's never about having the resources. It's not about whether you have the money or not. It's about how resourceful you are. Do you have the emotion? Do you have the vision? Do you have the commitment? Do you have the mindset to do whatever you can to get what you want? I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to do whatever I can. So I started calling a bunch of people who I haven't talked to in like 20 years. I'm like, yo, hey, you remember me? Not really. Okay, cool. I need (laughs) $9,000. Every single person almost hung up on me. But two people went out of their way to invest in me. They, I raised, I ended up raising $9,000 with the investment and the two part-time jobs that I had. And literally that's how I built my career. And within one year of joining Youth Speaker University and, and Tony Robbins program, I became student of the year for Youth Speaker University. And then I became Dean of Students teaching other speakers how to do what I did coming back from where I was at. And then I was the youngest graduate in Tony Robbins program. And this was all eight years ago. Right. And so like what I wish someone told me now so going back yeah. is, dude, what's the big picture? Yeah. What are your lifestyle goals? What's your personality type? And then I wish somebody told me, like, I wish there were, I had a mentor who was just super honest saying, here are the pros and cons by the path that you think you should be going on. Now, are you willing to sacrifice the cons to do what you want to do? Now, if somebody told me that in order to become a speaker, I'd have to always be traveling on stage and that's the only way I could make money. And even though it was like great money, it was, I was getting anywhere between 5,000 to $8,000 for, for one keynote in the education market, like high schools and colleges. That was the only way I was making money. Mm-hmm. So I was constantly away from, from my wife. You know, I was constantly on the road, which that's what I say. I was a road warrior. Yeah. All I had was a high paying manual labor job. Yeah. So now it's, it's just about having those type of questions, even with people like social media. Cool, you're investing all this time and energy on social media, posting all this content, but let's be honest, it's become an expensive hobby. Yeah. How can you do it strategically where now you're doing the right process, investing the right time, the right amount of money, so you can really increase your impact, influence, and income? Wow. So, so powerful. I mean, for me, that kind of plays right into why founders 
is all about taking ownership and yeah. owning it. You know, and I just visited my grandfather um, last weekend. Two, you know, the two recent trips for me were like just super transformational. And when I went and visited him, he's 99 years old. He's going on a hundred and like, you know, he was teaching me so many different things. The wisdom was just unbelievable. But what he was saying to me was just, you know, the one core thing he was just like, listen, Gerard, there is no tomorrow. Mm. You know, there's only today. So many of us, we put things off for tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Instead of like taking ownership, we have the ability to make a decision of who we want to become, who we right. want to be today. And there's really nothing really holding us back except for ourselves. Like, right. we, you know, I feel that a lot of times we're our own worst enemies, mm-hmm. right? We are everything and more that we need to be we're full of love. We can give love. We can be love. Anything that we want to accomplish in the world is possible. Yeah. And um, I felt that from you just now. Thank you, brother. Yaya's profound journey brought light to a lot of things that people take for granted. And that is the idea of imperfection. I mean, think about it. Is anyone truly perfect? Or are we perfect by being imperfect? It's interesting because the moment that we realize that those imperfections, that vulnerability is the one thing that's holding us back from genuinely creating connections and authenticity and ultimately inspiring the world, once we let go of that, and realize that we're imperfectly perfect, it's the moment that I feel we step into being truly that world-class leader. When you can embrace your, your history, when you can embrace your imperfections, you will be so surprised, like automatically there's this deep connection feeling like I don't have to put a front up in front of this person, I can be who I am. Instead of focusing on a presentation, you can actually engage in a conversation, which is what most people want. You know, so whatever your imperfections, the things that you're ashamed of, including myself, like own them because that's will immediately connect to the people who need to hear you most. And the people who judge you, they're not meant to be the people who need to listen to you. Right. So you live your story. You go through that history because it's going to be in service in a powerful way for everybody. You know, you're you're literally by owning your story and embracing your imperfections, you are rewriting the course of history simply by you being an example of what's possible in the future. So another way to think of this is I I usually say when I coach my clients is authenticity attracts admiration from others, but your vulnerability inspires transformation in others. Mm -hmm. Anybody can be authentic. A great example is Trump. He's authentic. Right. But he's not vulnerable. Right. And so depending on, depending on who the leader is, doesn't matter. It could be Oprah. It could be the rock. It could be Kevin Hart. It could be somebody else that you look at. You want to have that balance of two sides in the same coin with authenticity and vulnerability. And that's what will make you influential. Wow. Super powerful. And if anyone follows this man on Instagram, you'll see how vulnerable he really is. <laughs> <laughs> and just to be clear, vulnerability is not always like I'm crying, right? It's like oh, whatever. It, There's it, been it, a couple. I'm like, you really. Uh, yeah, you know. yeah, I know. But like, hey, like this is the Kevin Hart and you comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, like yeah. That, that's that's the thing. Like I want every single person who's listening to this right now to just give yourself permission to be imperfect in public. Yes. Give yourself permission to be imperfect in public. Yes. Yeah. Now, what's being discussed here is something I relate to fundamentally. What I tell many entrepreneurs that I mentor is when they want to build their brand, 
I immediately tell them, I want you to write down 10 things that you are afraid to share with anybody. And I want you to share them with me first. And I suggest this to everyone listening right now. Write down 10 things when you're finished with this podcast that frankly, you're just afraid that people will know about you because it starts right there. Then you start with your first video on social media and you just start with your first, hey, this is me and take it or leave it, but always show both sides. Before we left, I had to ask Yaya for a last piece of advice. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is Yaya has been on over 500 stages and he's definitely the best millennial speaking coach that I've ever gotten to know. I mean, just last week with his coaching, I gave the best speech of my life. Literally, I had the crowd crying. I got an ovation. It felt unbelievable. So any advice for anyone trying to develop a motivational message for themselves and their audience? Check this out. Anybody that has a message, whether you want to use it online or offline, I think we all have messages. Number one, it's like you have to understand that passion alone won't make you successful. A lot of people want to be heard in the sea of noise. So how can you make sure your message can get heard? And the first thing that I would suggest, and this is, this is what I wish a mentor told me when I started, is number one, get clear with what your ultimate lifestyle goals are. Okay, because we live in a day and age, especially with social media, that our message can be amplified with some, a tool like social media. So I always tell my clients, speaking and social media are probably the most powerful tools to grow your business and your brand. Now it's just a matter of how do you go out there and really do it in a strategic way where Gerard mentioned like being a road warrior, which is basically just being on the road, getting paid for your time on stage, which is if that's the only way that you're making money as a speaker, that's not the best way to do that. Right. And you got to think of it. When you think of being on stage, the stage is the beginning of your impact, not the end. Most speakers, they think of once I'm on stage, okay, that's it. I did my TEDx talk. I did this and okay, I'm done. Right. But what if people fall in love with you once you're on stage? How are you going to add value? How are you going to continue the relationship with them? And so that's why you need to create an offer, an irresistible profitable offer, which I talk about something that you and I decided to join forces with. But like, I just saw a huge need in, in, in the place where people, they have a mission, they have a message that they want to share, but they don't know how to do it in a strategic way without turning it into an expensive hobby or trading their time for money, becoming road warriors. Well, I mean, I think that that goes into the business aspect yeah. of it, but I know you also have like frameworks as well. Like oh, basically yeah, yeah, okay, like gotcha. how to actually mold. It, it's tough to figure out like what parts of the, I mean, when I started, I was like, I was like, what parts of my story do I actually yeah. use? Got it. You know, and it's like figuring out what the purpose was of that speech. And then, you know, you, you know, figuring out if I had to, similar to like when I think about pitching an investor, right. it's like you need to be able to get your point across, that idea across yeah. in a very concise way mm-hmm. in an extremely short period of time. And then you can get creative. Yes. Right? Then you can talk about, you know, long term and ideas, but you have to be very concise. Like, yeah. you know, what are some of the frameworks that you to help people that, you know, whether it's like they're going on stage for five minutes, 15 minutes yep. or an, a keynote to understand how to do it effectively. So I developed something called a story proof framework. Okay. So he brings up a really good point. What if like, what if you're talking to an investor, the number one thing that you need to do that you might want to take some notes on here is the story proof framework is a five-step process. Okay. Number one P they're all P's because I'm cheesy like that. The (laughs) P right. Who's the person you're speaking to. So in that case, you're speaking to an investor. 
Okay. Now, once you identify who the person you're speaking to, you got to realize your message is not for everybody, but it has to be for that one person who needs to hear you right now. Okay. Who is that one person? And then once you get that one person, you got to ask yourself the second P, which is what is the problem that they're struggling with the most? What are they really, really, really struggling with the most? Once you identify the problem, then you can say, okay, cool. Then you go into the third P, which is the perspective. Now you can take all your stories, all the experiences that you've gone, your expertise, and you can filter all of that to be focused on the person who has that unique problem. Instead of getting overwhelmed, like, oh, I have so many stories. I'm going to talk about this one time when I, you know, when I got stuck in the bathroom, which has nothing to do with the investor, <laughs> right? So you want to be selective and respect your audience's time, the person's time by being very clear and direct. So person, who knows what's the second P? Problem, who knows what's the third P? Perspective. And the fourth P, once, once they share your perspective, once you, they, un, they understand your perspective, they can see like, okay, cool. I can trust this person. This person is coming from an authentic place, a place of experience. And, you know, I want to continue further. Then you go to the fourth P and then you share your process with them. It could be your process. It could be your plan. It could be your program. But this is where you actually share how you can help them. Instead of just immediately going saying, hey, I could help you. Well, they need to trust you first. And then once you share your process, then you close it off with the promise, which is if you do this and if you hear me out and you learn this, this is what will happen. The promised land. This is what I promise you will happen. The outcome, the benefits, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Was that helpful? Yes. You know, it takes like, yeah, for me, it's been 15 years as an entrepreneur and you know, it's, it's, it's a journey, yeah. you know, it's a journey. You have to learn and adapt as you go. So, yeah. I mean, we're kind of wrapping up here, but why don't you talk a little bit about like, so who's the Yaya today and, and kind of where are you going? What's next? Ooh, that's a powerful question. I think the Yaya today is still discovering himself, but he has, has, uh, come into a solid owning of the gifts that he's gone through. So some of the gifts that I've gotten from the challenges that I've had was the story that I have, right? And teaching other people how to share their story in a way where they can own their value, right? It, it boggles my mind how sometimes people feel weird of charging for their message, charging for what they're worth. And I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like, you might see some confidence, but that came from like deep self-reflection and self-love and self-worth. But like, if there's anything that I can do for anybody's, I want to give you the confidence and the courage to own your value, right? And that goes in the form of selling, you know, selling and sharing your story in a powerful way where you can impact people. That goes in the form of making sure you're doing it in a way where you're monetizing your passion, your expertise. Like that's where I'm going because I know there's so many people who've struggled behind the scenes and they're just sitting there like, oh, should I? share this? Can I share this? Whatever. I'm like, wake up. Yes. You need to share it because there's someone right now in the audience who's waiting for you to step up and show up and you're not stepping up and showing up because you're afraid of what people might think of you. Yes. And you don't know how to make sure your message gets heard in a noisy world. Like that's what I'm all about. So instead of me being in the spotlight, I want to shine a spotlight on others yes. right now, which is uh, kind of like what I'm focused on. 
I love it. I love it. And, uh, and, and to be working with you on that, it's, it's called world-class leaders is something I'm extremely excited about. Um, but thank you for being a part of this experience. This is amazing. Everybody. I hope you're getting value. Please uh, give it up for Yaya Bakar. Thank you. Well, leaders, that's our show. Again, special thanks to our sponsors at Prudential and the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center for their wonderful help in bringing the Leaders Create Leaders event series and podcast to life. Make sure you go to lclnork.com. That's lclnork.com for more details on where you can find this episode and many more exciting things to come, especially some of the future episodes that are about to drop. This has been your host, Gerard Adams, representing Leaders Create Leaders. We'll see you next time. Sponsored by the Prudential Insurance Company of America, Newark, New Jersey.